All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. With me today, I have James Powell. James is the writer and creator of House of Fear. It is an awesome horror comic uh, for kind of geared towards young adults. It uh, uh, reminds me kind of a little bit like Goosebumps, if you will. It's really, really an awesome book, and I'm, I'm super excited to have James here with me. So, James, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk some comics. It's yeah, fun. It seems like it's been a while. It's uh, with the whole COVID thing and uh, staying at home. You know, it seems like I'm not getting together with friends as much as I used to. And uh, it's it's one thing to text back and forth, but it's a lot more fun to actually vocalize and speak and hear each other's voices. So this is nice. Yeah, for sure. Now that uh, speaking on the phone has gone the way of the dinosaur. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's it's funny, you know. I uh, yeah, I I'm a high school teacher and just hearing the you know this generation of kids have no idea what like caller id was or a like a payphone or what like i'll make like a 1-800 collect reference and they'll like just look at me with glazed eyes <laughs> like have no idea what i'm talking about i'm like that's like I, I i like distinctly remember having to like after a movie call my mom collect and just when it says like your name it's like mom movie's done come get us and hanging up the phone like they'll have no idea that that game yeah, that's 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 so absolutely true. The other day, uh, I picked <laughs> this is, I don't know if this is funny or not, but it is to me. I uh, <clears throat> picked up a banana and acted like it was a telephone. I go hello, mm. and my son was just staring at me. My son's eleven, and he just stared at me. He's like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, I'm sorry. The phone way back in the day kind of looked like a banana, you know. And yeah, he just, and I, at, in that moment, I realized there's so many things that from my youth that he'll never understand or ever probably will never see so <laughs> yeah it was it was uh it's definitely eye-opening sometimes when you have some of those realizations like wow this is this is not how the world works anymore yeah that's uh, i think uh some things for the better some things for the worse i guess but uh i mean back to comics just that's not the way the world works i don't think i could be making comics 10 15 years ago uh, this maybe is 10 15 but if you go back too far, or if far enough, then uh, with the House of Fear, I don't. I've never met any of the contributors, with the uh, the collaborators, the artists, the colorists. Um, so without something like Facebook and websites and forums, I would have never met these guys. So yeah, I I think the finding collaborators. I know for myself, I have I've never. Other than one collaborator that I collaborated with um, on Nightmare Theater that you were a part of as well, um, I have never actually spoken words to any of my collaborators. Like it's all been via email or messenger or things like that. So do you do you talk to them, you know, via like a Zoom session or what we're doing here? Um, I I have always just done email or, or Facebook Messenger with most of my collaborators the only exception would be donna black that um i talked over skype i believe um we had a conversation over skype before before i even wrote the script like just to get her on board um to to do the um to do the story she she agreed because she, we were we were fans of each other's work and so when um when clay reached out to me to be a part of the anthology the first person I thought of I wanted to work with was Donna, and so I reached out to Donna. Um, and luckily, she had an op- You know, she had, she was available, 
And then I was like, I have absolutely no story. So can I just talk to you and see what you like to do? So I just don't like throw something at you that you would hate drawing. So we had a quick conversation, maybe 10, 15 minutes of like what her likes are. And then I pitched her like five, five different things. She picked uh, the cricket man, which is the story that ended up, she was like, I really like this pitch. And so I wrote a, a short story based on that, but that was just, other than that, like all of my other collaborations have been through Facebook messenger or email or, you know, however, you know, however, right. you know, mostly just written. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a fantastic story. I love to hear that. That's uh, I, that's true collaboration there. When you actually just talk to your artists and say, hey, let's kick around some ideas and develop something from the get go, as opposed to, you know, here's a, here's a script that I've written. What do you think? Let's manipulate that based on your thoughts. It's, you know, it's collaborative right from the get go. I like that yeah. idea. Yeah. It was, uh, it was something I've never done before. So like my, my first, um, my first comics project, Man of Sin, I already had that, you know, all, all the way done and same with Forgotten Hymns. Um, and so it was really different to write something specifically for someone who wanted that, you know, like it, it felt, it felt like the opposite approach that I normally take. Was that kind of how, uh, you met Jethro, your, your artist? Like, first off, how did you find your artist? And then how's that collaboration worked? Cause you guys work really well together. You've got, you, you know, you got a, a bunch of volumes of House of Fear out, um, how, like how has that relationship kind of started and how has it kind of transformed now so, that you've worked so much? So actually, uh, we did a comic called uh, The Boy Who Wanted War. I think that's probably been eight, nine years ago now. And I found him on a website called Digital Webbing. I'm not, I think that's still, you know, an operation, but I, don't, I can't imagine it's getting as much traction as it used to. But uh, I found him there and... He happened to work on a, a, a story with another friend of mine. So I was able to kind of, you know, hey, how's Jethro working with, you know, what's he like or whatever. And uh, it, it was the smoothest uh, collaboration I could have expected. Uh, at the time, that was my first full-length comic. I think it was 32 pages. And up to that point, I had tried, you know, five, ten pages and – with varying success, you know, sometimes an artist would start and then fall away and uh, you would never hear from him again. Or a lot of times you might pitch an idea, the artist would love it, send you some sketches, and the next thing you know, the, that artist has a higher paying gig or, you know, more, uh, a, a bigger, like a series or whatever. Um, but yeah, with Jethro, it's always been so smooth. He's, 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 uh, a professional he reads the script and understands what you're trying to get at and uh when afterwards when we discuss potential changes from his thumb you know the thumbnails uh he gets those done but he, he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't always listen to what i suggest but he hears what i'm trying to get at if that makes sense um so instead of you know some artists i find would will uh do exactly what you're saying Whereas Jethro puts his own spin on it. And if I'm trying to get a specific detail, I'll let him know, hey, let's focus on this. But uh, it, it just feels more collaborative that way, I guess. And I learned that just from that very first first issue. And since then, our uh, ability to work together just continues to improve. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I had, you know, what's, what's so interesting is I had a very similar 
um, like process through the comics, like with with artists. I, in um, with Man of Sin, Camilo was the third artist I had attached to that. Um, so I had two other artists attached before Camilo, and it just, you know, f- different reasons it didn't work out. And then um, through digital webbing, I found another artist. We were working on a, a different project. He did like five or six character sketches, and and then some like. Um, some thumbnails and then he just disappeared on me like i have no idea where this guy is like if he's still doing art like he just poof it gone um you know i was like oh all right um but yeah it's really interesting and i i feel like there's a lot of stories like that like when you're just starting to to get into the comic industry um and you just start getting your feet wet you're kind of figuring out you know who's a good collaborator who's not and it sounds like it sounds like jethro was a perfect fit and not only it sounds like but it, it absolutely is from the pages you know of house of fear i mean that is just an absolutely amazing uh book like it it reminds me so much of um goosebumps was that something that you were aiming for something that you were going for because it's it's definitely horror but def in the in the ya kind of realm like it's scary but it's not like over the top like gruesome exactly so my son was born on Halloween, <laughs> and I'm a big horror fan, and I love comics. And <laughs> so the way House of Fear kind of started was uh, I had written a few different stories that weren't intended for five-year-olds, and I would never kind of let him – he would could flip through it, but I would never actually let him read those stories. Um, so one night he's like, Dad, how come I can never read your comics? And that kind of just struck me. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe I should write something for him. And – Within 24 hours, I was writing ideas for House of Fear um, with the intent kind of like my goal all along has been to introduce kids to the horror stories um, with the intent for me personally that my son, <laughs> that my son, when, you know, when he turns 14 or 15, he's seeing, you know, real horror movies at the theater with me. <laughs> I didn't want to take him from, you know, a Disney feature to uh freddie and jason so <laughs> yeah <laughs> my goal was kind of just to guide him along uh that way so but yeah goosebumps and uh uh so i always consider it like goosebumps meets scooby-doo meets uh tales from the crypt all those kind of jumbled together so well i i think that's a perfect kind of uh mixing of it because you're on, on page one and forgive me i forget his name he's in all the house of fears he's kind of like the crypt keeper if you will um yeah boiled in- the, uh, yep he's the house of fear caretaker he's drawn by uh, james highslope he, james highslope by the way is his art is so just incredible i love the way he renders uh uh boil so yeah it does i mean just from from the crypt keeper part to the to the um anthology style stories i mean it works really really well i mean have you have you found that your your son these stories resonate with your son because i i mean um what i love so much like with the stories that i've read like the the trees have eyes like i love the 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 message and the the lesson that was that was accompanied with that like do you did you do that like on purpose to kind of like not only teach your son but other kids and how is it resonating with your son now uh, you know, well, two things. Trees have eyes. I haven't released that yet, so we gotta. Ooh. Don't, Ooh. We don't want to give that away too much. But uh, um, he really enjoys the stories. Um, 
But it's, I'll be honest, it's hard for to gauge. He's my son, so what is he going to say? Yeah, Dad, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> although I guess he probably would actually if he didn't like him. But uh, I've heard a lot of kids, uh, you know, his friends and uh, kids of uh, some of my wife and I's friends that uh, have read it so have read the issues so much that they're kind of falling apart, and they're constantly asking me when the next issue's coming out. And so I think to, on some level, it's it's working. You know, it's it's getting kids interested in reading, and uh, you know, getting them interested. You know, a lot of kids I've found. Uh, friends of my son didn't even had never read a comic before mm-hmm. so uh, that's nice to know that they're kind of getting an idea of how to actually read panel to panel and all those things but uh, I think I, I heard a, a question kind of in there that uh, with House of Fear I as I'm writing them I want to focus on making them quote-unquote intense for that age group you know my the the target age is probably 8 to 12 so not too scary, but not so there has to have some element of, of scare in there. Um, but you're right. I, I try not to create morals like, a Oh, at the end of this story, did you learn anything? I don't want to, I don't want to beat kids over the head with that idea of something to learn, but I kind of want to have that hidden in there if I can, even if it's as simple as overcoming your fear or working together to, overcome something uh uh in one of the stories i think there's some detective work so it's kind of working together and using the uh the tools at hand to figure out how to defeat the bad guy uh so i kind of like to have those more subtle uh learning uh tricks i guess um because a lot of times you'll read a read a young adult graphic novel or or book um as an adult, you read it and you're like, wow, okay, I get the point. You're trying to, <laughs> mm. I know what the moral of the story is. Okay, just take a step back. And they they kind of lose sight of the story, I guess. Um, and I, I still want to have a fun, exciting story. Uh, so the, the, the lesson, so to speak, kind of plays the background, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, to- total sense. And, you know, I feel super privileged now that knowing that I read... Uh, the trees have eyes before you know you release it so thank you I, I, hopefully i didn't uh, <laughs> definitely definitely didn't spoil it but i'll, I'll, I'll tread lightly because it's, it's an awesome story I, I i loved it um when you, you said that your you when your son you know wanted to read something of yours and, and it kind of hit you did you did you feel that your writing career shifted at that moment because it sounded like did you discover the, the every, you know a lot of people talk about their why did you discover was that your why you know that's funny you say that because uh yeah I, I never really put it that way but i think i think i did i uh that 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 night when i was tucking him into bed when he said hey dad how come i can't read your comics or how come you won't write, you don't have anything for me uh that day i had just finished the longest script I had ever done. It was the first draft of, I, at the time, I want to say it was a 150-page graphic novel. Um, and it was clearly for adults because some of the, the themes and uh, the themes and the certain scenes in there were, I mean, I would. there's no way I would show my then five- or six-year-old son um, 
and that's that's been sitting there since then. I've looked at it a few times and tweaked uh, some of the elements of that story, but for the most part, it's just on the back burner. I'll get to it when my son's older, maybe. But uh, at at the time, yeah, I was uh, coaching flag football, and I was I was learning how fun kids are and how much I loved being around them and being a positive role model and teaching and just all that all the engagement that comes from a kid how enthusiastic they are to learn a new a new skill um so I was kind of starting to see that I enjoyed being around kids and when he said that and we came up with uh the idea of house of fear and so I don't I don't know if you knew this but uh the first house of fear is called uh the curse of cottonwood courts and my son and I actually wrote that together um, that's awesome, man. So what we did, I, I sat down with him and I said, well, let's talk about what, what, what kind of a scary story do you want to tell? You know, do you want to do vampires, zombies? What's your thing? And we had just moved into a new neighborhood and he liked the idea of, of a character who has just moved into a new neighborhood and there's a, you know, a scary house across the street and we kind of went from there and I, I let him name the characters. He, when I would get done with a, a couple of scenes, I would ask him what happens next, and that ending is a hundred percent him. It's I would have never, I would have never considered having that ending ever. And when he told me that's the ending, I was like, oh, of course it is. That's exactly what the kids in the story would have done. It works with the themes we've set up. Everything was perfect, and I kind of laughed because it's like, oh yeah, my six-year-old son just wrote a better. <laughs> ending to this comic <laughs> that I ever would have. So that's awesome. I, I, I mean, just hearing you talk about it, like how, that had to have been as like a, a father, because I'm a you know a, a new father of a one year old. So you know, um, it's a little different from from my end. Um, but I can only imagine how fulfilling that must have been to work with your son on that story. And then on the flip side, like I guess also in addition to. How awesome was it that you could show your son that whatever you could put your mind to, you could make? Because, like, obviously you got copies of that and you, you handed it to them him. And, like, that had to have been, like, one of the coolest teaching moments of all time. Oh, yeah. It was, it was loaded with moments. Uh, I, I taught him a little bit about just how the collaboration works in a comic. I taught him about all the different steps. I taught him how to... How to how the script works um, and, and then all the way through the whole process from, you know, pencils to inks to colors and letters and then actually having it printed. And then when it was printed, it's not done yet. You actually have to go try to sell it and you want to interact with fans. And uh, I think it was the next summer we went to the Denver, the Denver comic con and we had a panel and it was just me and him up up it was just him and i up up front answering questions from other kids and some kids actually asked him for his autograph and for you know for an hour he was kind of a celebrity and uh it was amazing it was it was watching the events through his eyes and just watching him experience it was infinitely better than anything that's ever happened to to me as far as selling comics and uh don't get me wrong, like, you know, having Dark Horse accept and create a volume of House of Fear, that was amazing, you know. Some conventions are just incredible, but 
watching him, it, it's, you know, it's puts everything else to shame as far as some of the highlights of, of the career I've had. So, yeah, dude, that sounds just absolutely amazing. That's, de- that's, uh, that's definitely like some, some, some great, just not only teaching moments, just great, you know, father, son, parent moments. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and, and the fact that, you know, I'm sure he probably couldn't stop talking about signing autographs. That was probably, like, the coolest thing in the world for him. <laughs> it's the coolest thing in the world for me, like, when I'm at a convention and someone asks for my autograph. So I can only imagine, a, like, a five- or six-year-old uh, do, doing that. Well, it's funny because uh, he's 11 now, and I think uh, though some of the things we're seeing, I think he's going to have some a job about around money because he likes to – collect and save and hoard money but it was funny because after he signed some autographs that day he the the he asked these questions about him being a celebrity and how much money i was gonna pay him (laughs) (laughs) oh he already wanted he already wanted royalties yes he did it was so because like i had you know his name's in the credits and i showed it to him and that wasn't quite enough for him. He was he was okay. Well, what am I gonna get paid? <laughs> oh man! So I mean, he's smart about it though. <laughs> he's got he yeah. has his collaborating uh, credit. Well, that's that's funny because I've I've done plenty of editing and writing for free, and it's like oh man, I wish you were my manager 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> that's you know, awesome. I should you know, so he's already learned that lesson. I don't need to teach him how to uh, make sure he's getting paid for the work he does. That, that's that's awesome. I I um. I kind of want to circle back to the the dark horse thing. Um, so, when uh, first off, how did you approach Dark Horse, or how did that kind of um, collaboration come about, and what was it like, kind of um, going through that, um, getting getting a volume of House of Fear published by them? Because Dark Horse is a big company. I like that's that's like one of the you know one of the top three, top four. Oh yeah, definitely. It's. Uh... So when I was, I've always thought in the back of my head, it's like, I want to self-publish, but at the same time, I eventually have a publisher behind me, um, whether that means, you know, eventually signing a contract where that's all, you you only work for that company or just one-offs or whatever, but uh, as I was doing House of Fear, I kind of put pitching to the back burner, I kind of forgot about it, and then... Just kind of out of, out of nowhere, I just said, I think today's the day I, I should pitch this. I've done enough of these stories, and I've gotten enough good feedback that I felt ready. Because before, it sometimes I, I feel like I have quality stories, uh, comics or, or novellas, whatever. But there's a, a doubt there, and it's like, well, this isn't quite ready yet. I don't want to pitch this one. I'll pitch the next one. And... But with House of Fear, I said, okay, now I, now's the time to do it. I, I, I had read an article a couple of weeks before that said that they were actually looking to get into the young adult market more. And so, yeah, I, I, wrote, up, I wrote up a pitch and had a friend look at it. And probably within 48 hours, I sent it off. And it, <laughs> I, 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 I want to say – I. I I almost feel like I have to say that I worked harder for that, but it was so smooth. It's just, uh, I actually read the pitch the other day and it's not that good of a pitch, the words I used or whatever, but I think house of fear itself 
hits a hits a hit hit a niche that uh, Dark Horse was looking for, and uh, in the email and some of the the preview pages I sent, they must have liked it enough for for us to start having a conversation. Um, I think the pitch was more just to get in the door than I thought it was. I've always thought that like, oh, you got to put your it's got to be this amazing thing, and you have to sell it with you know in a hundred words or less, <laughs> and it's not quite. For me, anyway, it wasn't quite that way. It was just enough to get in the door to have further conversations about what I intended. So, how, how much of the was House of Fear or the one that you you pitched them was that completely done, or did you have more stories that you were going to eventually put in there? I think. Let's see. We had three stories, a hundred percent complete, and I think we were on uh, thumbnails of the fourth. So. Uh, it, it was pretty close. I, th- I think the, the the collection ended up being 144 pages. I'm my guess is we were probably right around 90 complete completed pages before I pitched. So yeah, so you had you had a big chunk of work done that they could look through and decide whether or not they wanted it. And obviously they 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 said yes. What was you know what was it like getting you know you, you said you know. You mentioned that you didn't think some of your pitches were good enough or strong enough. What was it like when you finally got the 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 yes from from a huge company like Dark Horse? Like how did like what kind of how did that shift not only your perspective of your own work, but how did that shift kind of your career moving forward and what you wanted to do? Uh, it, it felt absolutely fantastic. It's uh, I mean it was one of those emails that. You kind of look at the preview when you look at your Gmail or whatever. There's like a little, you could see the first sentence or two. And it was one of those moments where I read just enough to know that they liked the idea. And I was already upstairs celebrating with my family before I read the whole, the whole email. <laughs> it was, uh, cause even it's one of those things. It's like, I, I think I, I mentioned that, uh, there's a little doubt. I think with all creators, there's, some seed of doubt. Oh, they're not going to like this. This is my best thing, but I might, you know, what if I said something wrong or I didn't put my best foot forward? Uh, it was kind of a validation. It was like, yeah, someone else out there actually thinks that this is worth it or, you know, worth taking a risk on. And, uh, but to be honest, after I read the email, it wasn't, you know, it's a, it's a discussion. It's not like, you know, they said, we're ready to sign you right now. So I knew that there was still some work to do. Uh, through email and conversations on the phone or whatever so but uh yeah it was it was an absolute thrill it was an absolute thrill so you you're talking you've said a little bit about doubt and stuff now you know moving forward do you even after dark horse published house of fear do those thoughts still creep into your mind because i i think you're 100 percent right it's something that all creatives you know especially, you know, writers, um, deal with, I, I would love to know, like, you know, you, you reached for, for lack of a better word, like you kind of, you, you did the thing that so many writers want to do, right? They want, you know, a big company to say yes to their work and validate them and all that good stuff and publish it. And do you still have some of those, even with all that, do you still have some of those thoughts creep into your mind? Oh yeah. Not, not almost nonstop. It's, uh, whether or not I'm writing a new script that I, I wonder if there's a parent out there that's going to say it's 
too scary or an editor out there who thinks it's not exciting enough or I uh, I ha so I've even I haven't pitched volume two yet and I think uh, Dark Horse has said that they're interested and they've already opened the door to a volume two without actually saying yes um, I think in part because with 2020 and COVID there's all sorts of uncertainties so nothing's a guarantee or anything but I already have that in and I'm still waiting to send that pitch until I have until I have that belief in my head that says, okay, we've done enough for a volume two and it's good enough. I'm still waiting for that, that, that feeling, I guess, if that makes sense, that, that doubt to kind of fade into the background enough for me to send that pitch, that second pitch. So, um, yeah, even right now I have a, a small quick starter for a, a, a house of fear issue and, there was doubt even right before I clicked the 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 launch button. Oh, I'm only asking, you know, I'm asking for a fifth of what I asked for my last campaign, but you know, is this still going to work? Am I is anybody interested in this anymore? And uh, yeah, some days it's it's hard. Some days are harder than others to overcome that doubt. I guess. <laughs> I, I I think so many so many people deal with you know have that same have those same thoughts like how do you deal with it like you know obviously they creep into your head but you're still continuing to um write more stories you're still continuing to produce great material i mean you have you, like you said you haven't released the trees have eyes and i thought that was an absolutely amazing uh story so like how how are you able to keep pushing through and still doing that even though you know these thoughts are prevalent uh, oh man, I could probably <laughs> talk to you for hours about the very <laughs> the various ways I have because some days one thing will work. Like sometimes forcing yourself just to sit down and do the thing works. Other times it doesn't. <clears throat> um, but a lot of times I find that uh, this. Hopefully, I doesn't. I don't sound crazy when I say this, but sometimes I I'll go back to a script I've written and realize it's more complete than I remember it being. So sometimes I have that uh, doubt or I tell myself that this is so dreadful to stop writing <laughs> that uh, I kind of put that away and then I'll come back to it and I'll put it away again. And after a while you have enough of those scripts that suddenly you're like, Oh man, I have, you know, five different scripts that are 90% done already. <laughs> Uh, hopefully that's making sense. No, but, no, uh, it does for sure. It's kind of like uh, I get as much done before that self doubt or that uh, where were we calling it earlier? Uh, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, syndrome. Yeah, because sometimes once that kicks in, I kind of I can't quite forge all the way through. I can't bust through that final wall. So I just all right. I'm gonna put this in a folder and start something new or maybe attack something that's already half done. Um, and, and to be a hundred percent honest, uh, some days I don't get through it. And I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I have so much self doubt that I'm curled into a ball on the floor or anything like that. But, um, yeah, some days I just, that writing isn't going to happen. So I find some other activity that will help me keep going overall um 
whether that's uh, writing a uh, uh, like developing a Kickstarter page or just sending out an email blast to my to my readers, um, just anything to kind of keep me in the realm of comics, but get away from script writing, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, not only I mean, it completely makes sense. It's I think it's really important that people hear this because I think so many people deal with it. Like I deal with it myself. I, I think, you know, I, I know, you know, Neil uh, Gaiman has talked about, he has imposter syndrome and Stephen King. And if, you know, those guys have it, it's something that, um, you know, is, it's just really prevalent and something that people have to deal with. And I, I think with you being open and honest, I, I think it's letting other people know that they're not alone and that there are, you know, you could still, do great things even while you while you deal with it like i i remember when i first started i thought like as soon as i get my first comic everything's going to change and i'll be able to just like <laughs> like i'll just be like just oh, turning yeah. stuff out and then what i found is that the more like the more stuff i i do i think it does give me a little bit more momentum and confidence that i could do this stuff but it starts weighing on me that there's so much more stuff I have to do. Like I know the quality of things and where the quality I want the things. And so I think that kind of heightens, um, heightens some of the imposter syndrome and some of the self doubt, um, a little bit more. Um, but well, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's funny. Cause once you have a book done, you think that all that will go away. But in reality, it's like, well, now I have to prove myself even more to validate the fact that I had that first book done. Right. I, 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 I think about that all the time. <laughs> like, I really, I really genuinely thought in my head, like, oh, I'll just do that. Like, I just got to get this one thing done. And then, then, then the floodgates were open. And that was the exact app, like, not even remotely true, um, which I think is, you know, shows where my head was at, you know, eight years ago or whenever I started this thing. Well, yeah, because you're hopefully those those doubts and fears or whatever kind of start to fade away. But uh, yeah, part of that is the first comic you you write, maybe something that you just printed at at Kinko's or whatever, where you're just going to show that to ten people, your ten closest friends. Then um, suddenly you're on Kickstarter and you have a hundred backers or fifty or two hundred or suddenly you're like, oh, I got to prove myself to that many more people now. And then you have two or three Kickstarters that are successful. I don't want to say that that doubt builds by any means because I don't, I don't feel that it does. But there's always some excuse for your brain to say, oh, you're not quite good enough. <laughs> there's always some hurdle to put in front of yourself because it, <laughs> your brain doesn't want it to be easy, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so funny. I think it's I, – I really think it's, you know, uh, a safety thing. Like you, you don't have to do this. Like, it's not like it's, uh, you know, if you don't do this, you're, you know, going to get, you know, attacked by a tiger or something like yeah. you're yeah. like, like this is like extra stuff. Like, obviously, you know, people use it for a living and, and different things like that, but it's not like you, you don't need to go and hunt something like it's not, you know, like, so your yeah, brain's like, right. eh, we could just stay inside. Like, we don't have to. <laughs> We don't have to do this. Well, yeah, sharing your art, that's a scary thing. I, I, uh, uh, that's, I, there's just nothing, nothing else to say about it, really. There's, it's, it's kind of terrifying because you're putting your, something that you do 
even with comics, you're doing it with a you know you're collaboration collaborating with a group, um, but it's still your heart and soul on the page, and there's critics out there and friends or whoever decides to comment on it. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a scary thing to do. So that's not a reason not to do it, but that's and it. I don't. I, I'm not sure if that ever will get easier. I, I think. Uh, the process, the craft itself gets easier as you go. I think that, you know, I'm a better script writer now than I was five years ago just because I'm writing. You know, I'm trying to do it all the time. But when it comes time to actually get a, have hand that to a reader, yeah, what if that person doesn't like me? What if this person, you know, talks to his friends and, oh, my God, this is a horrible story? Or there's, All those fears are just ready to ready to come out every time you release something new so yeah and it's it's um it's very true too because it's you're you're almost wearing your heart on your sleeve like you're pretty vulnerable at that point like you're like here's my heart and soul and something i work so hard at please don't laugh at me or unless that's unless the intent then please laugh right, right yeah or yeah, don't not laugh at me <laughs> right right <laughs> But I think uh, if you, it's funny because you're you're over there making a comic or telling a story or doing art, whatever it is that you do, and you like to believe that you're doing it for yourself. And I guess to some degree, you know, I'm telling the stories that I wanted to read. But there's the other to complete that circle. Someone else has to enjoy that art. So for us, has to enjoy that comic and. You can't quite close that circle, so you need that reader, and you need that. You don't necessarily need feedback, but at the same time, you kind of know that you need to know that you're on the right track, or that was valued in some way. Is that man? That, that do you yeah. feel that way at all? Yeah, it's man. I've felt that, but I think you articulated better than that nebulous thought or feeling that I had with that. So, like, when you're writing this, like. I write strictly for my myself, for the most part, um, in the sense that I'm I'm writing the story that I want in the world that's not made yet, and only I can make it. But to you have there's like some weird transactional thing that you have to give someone out, like you have to like then send it off to the world, otherwise it's not real or it doesn't exist, like. Uh, like for instance, like there's probably someone somewhere out in the world that has written, you know, their version of Game of Thrones or their version of whatever, and it's just sitting on their computer, and so therefore it just doesn't exist, even though it's done. Does that make like what I'm trying to like? I think yeah, that's 100%. like the that's like yeah. the same thing I'm thinking of, right? Like there has to be for it to be real and and be manifested into the world, if you will. You ha there has to be a, a transaction that happens and i'm not talking monetarily it, it has to be, go from you know the people who made it me and my collaborators to someone like a, a a reader and that reader has to digest it and then it becomes real if that makes any sense at all yeah no i'm, I'm with you 100 percent. kind of like that uh, analogy or that uh if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it doesn't make a sound or whatever it's like well if you made a comic but no one ever reads it did you really make a comic <laughs> yeah right like uh, and it, it could just be one or two people but it, until you actually hand something to another 
an audience, I'm not sure that that is enough. Not for me anyway. I, I have to have that that connection. Because even though I'm writing scary comics for kids, it's still a piece of me. Um, not in the way if I wrote a memoir or anything, but I'm still giving myself to another person and I need to have... Yeah, I, I don't. I don't even know. I haven't. I've never really thought about it in this way. But uh, there has to be some kind of connection, whether that's online or uh, at a convention, you know, face to face. But uh, for me, I that's where I get the energy from. If I I could write scripts all day and have one level of oh yeah, I finished another script. Let's go have a a cookie with dinner. I don't know to celebrate, but. It's not until I connect with another human that I actually feel the energy to to keep making more. Yeah, that makes that makes so much sense. And it's there's something there's something really powerful when someone um, not only you know chooses to read your work, whether it's picking a book up at a convention or a comic store or backing your Kickstarter. For someone to, out of the blue, they don't know you from anyone else, but something about your story resonates with them, that they're choosing that story. There's something really satisfying in a, in a, a different way than, than praise or, or validation. There's like a, I don't, I don't even know what to call it. Um, I don't know. There, there's just something really special about that um, that I think is really interesting. And it's also the scary thing. With when you're writing or creating something, the fear that no one is going to do that, if that makes any right. sense at all. Yep, I, I agree. I think, uh, and, and maybe I don't, I'm hoping you experience a little bit of this at, at the high school level, but I sometimes go to elementary schools and talk about how comics are made or storytelling or any of those things. And the energy I get back from kids who have read my read my comics even at a convention or whatever uh in the last couple of couple of years i've gone to the denver show a kid or two every day would run up to me and say hey i read this your book last year what do you have this year and if you could bottle that energy and that emotion i mean that super that just would blow away that (laughs) self-doubt I mean, that, that self-doubt can be crippling sometimes. It makes you so that you can't get sit down and do the work. Um, but that energy, I mean, you're floating high for days, if not weeks. And that is the, the absolute best feeling there is. Yeah. I um, when, when my high school students find out that I... I write comic books. I instantly become a little bit cooler. Not, I'm not that cool, <laughs> but I'm a little bit cooler. And uh, it's funny. I uh, was it my it was a couple years now, maybe 2018. Um, Men of Sin, the second issue, had just uh, come out from the publisher that was publishing it at the time. And uh, my um, my department chair made me. She, we do like what's called like author day um once a year and oh, yeah. i'm in the english department so we host it and my department chair is in charge of getting you know authors to come and speak 
And she was like, Andrew, you're speaking this year. I was like, excuse you? I am not speaking in front of the whole school. You are about comic books. You are crazy, lady. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, obvi- I, I said yes. And uh, it was it was really it was really awesome that, um, you know, it was really awesome not only being able to stand up there and, and talk to the entire school about it, but what was what I thought was really the best part was, you know, once I was done giving my my spiel, I kind of opened it up and so many students that I've never really interacted with or maybe even seen um, had had questions. And on top of that, my own students had questions and would come and talk to me, which I thought was that's awesome. like, yeah, which was which was awesome. Like having having people like kids talk to me about their their work or their dreams or aspirations because of that, um, I think is it's it's why you do it. Yep, yep. And, and it's like you said the word validation before. It's uh it's uh you're connecting with another person, you're you're sharing I think I used the word energy before already, but uh especially with kids more than adults, but there's a there's an energy transfer when when a, a student when they see in you that you do something that they're interested in, that you're validating their interests as well. Just by doing what you do and sharing that with others, you're already validating what they're interested in, which they don't always get. Um, and I, I think that's so, so rewarding just to see their eyes light up or um, the interest through a question and you're able to answer a question that they may have had for years or they don't have the, the their friends aren't into that stuff or their parents don't think that art is a, a good thing to be into, whatever. There's a million things that might be happening with a, 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 another student. Um, so to get them to open up and ask a question and see that you're doing something artistic and doing something that you're passionate about, I think that's, that's huge for them. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, th- thank you. And it's... It's, uh, I, I think it's really important too that, you know, adults show kids that, you know, they, they could do things when you put your mind to it. Like, um, so much at the, like, at the high school level, like, it's like, all right, career day, what do you want to do? And it's like, we're like, it's just, I think a lot of kids don't realize that they could do certain certain things that they want to do because they either don't know how to do it or they don't know if there's like they might have you know the recipe but they don't have the ingredients. Um, yep, like, exactly. So I, I think it's important that adults show show kids that hey, you could get you could get stuff done if you put your mind to it. And it's one of the reasons why you know I'm doing all this. I, I want to be able to tell my daughter when she's older she could do anything she puts her mind to and then I could go to you know this podcast I could go to my comic books I could say look this is what I wanted to do and I did it and yep that's so can a you. great lesson that's great yeah I, I thought now I I think uh I've spoken to as young as second grade um but I remember a, a in one of my little sessions I did with a, a class there was a little boy who I could actually saw the light bulb go off in his head when I explained what I did. I was the writer, and here's some comics I've done, and I showed him. The light bulb went on off in his head. It's like, oh man, there's a there's a human behind this thing. 
it was he, he he said that he had read comics, but he had never known or ever even put thought behind how they were made. He would just go read a comic, read a book. But in that one instance, he saw that someone wrote that story and somebody drew that story, and that <laughs> he looked so enthused, like, oh my god, I love to draw and I like to write or I like to create little stories on my own and I can co-create this this comic and it almost <laughs> I know he was probably only a second grader but it almost looked like the world opened up in a way for him that hadn't been there before I and, I could I didn't mean to cut you off but I completely no, <laughs> I completely understand and get that because in in his brain like in and he didn't know that was a like a career choice. Like even though he's not thinking about it in that terms, right? Like little pe- like people, children, kids, right? They see the world and they see like oh like you know my mom you know unless their mom or dad was an artist and, and and do those things right? Like they have no idea how like how things are made right? How like it's a like right. oh like oh there's a bus driver there's a teacher there's a doctor like these are my the like oh there's a football you know there's sports on i guess there's an actor if you're watching tv if they even understand that like they probably had no idea that someone writes um the comic or the story like there's a writer behind it like that or an artist behind it like that probably blew his mind too like you probably gave him a career path he's like yeah (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna make comic like duh like why wouldn't i well yeah yeah i mean even if you're listening to music, if you're listening to music, your your parents turn on a stereo or whatever, and, and until you maybe see a singer, you might just think that it's coming. That music's just coming from a box. This box over here is creating entertainment, and it's not until you actually see a singer doing the singing that uh, you actually are aware that that's what's happening. So yeah, it, it's funny because. Uh, if I'm if I'm totally honest, I I love I, I enjoy making comics. I enjoy telling stories. But my what I, I and I don't even know how to make this uh, make this happen necessarily. But I I would much rather use comics or any kind of storytelling as a vehicle to teach kids or other even adults to follow their dream and that they can do what they want if they set their mind to it um kind of like what what you were saying um find a way to use comics as a way to talk to kids to overcome maybe overcome their self-doubt or imposter syndrome or or teach them to create the stories that they really want to tell um so in a perfect world you know half my day would be creating house of fear and other stories the other half would be helping other writers and artists tell theirs so now is that i I guess i have i have two questions so that's the first one how much writing do you do you do like on a normal day i i I like just kind of talking to writers about this stuff because it it definitely varies um so i'd love to hear like what like is it a daily thing is it whenever it comes to you like what's your kind of like writing process yeah you know it's funny i was just telling my wife the other day that i I hate my writing process because it's different for every story. So some stories I can sit down and do an outline. Other stories, for some reason, I just can't do that. Some stories I can write from beginning to end. Uh, 
not long ago, I, I was having a heck of a time with a story. I knew the ending, but I couldn't get there. So I just wrote the ending and wrote backwards. Um, literally, I wrote the last scene and the second to last scene and the, the third to last. And that worked for that story. But I've tried it since then, and it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I try to write. I probably write five or six days a week. Um, my goal is always to get four good pages in some days it's zero good pages <laughs> other days you know i you hit that you know that lightning in a bottle kind of thing where you end up getting six pretty solid pages or even more but um it's kind of all over the map i guess um and to be honest with you to some degree it's even the fact that i say good pages because when i say four pages I kind of have to have some quality element tied to that because I could just go put words on a page and then run off and do something else. But uh, sometimes you can go back and look at those four pages and go, yeah, these aren't very good. <laughs> but then another day you might look back and go, wow, I can't believe I wrote this yesterday. So I've, I've definitely had both of those moments. I've had moments where I've, I've forced myself to just put something on the page and then I'm like, that is absolute, just complete garbage. Like, that's what my feeling <laughs> as I walked away from, you know, my computer. Um, and then when I've, you know, come back and, and read it like a day or, or, or however long it was, when I go back to it, I'm like, that's actually not bad. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's that's actually okay. And I've actually had the opposite, too, where I've, like, I've, you know, written something and I'm like, this is good. And I've come back to it, I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. This is yep. absolute garbage. Um, it's almost to the point where I want to say that it's terrible because then it's a lot easier to come back. Oh, it's not too bad. But yeah, when you leave and think it's good, it's almost like, uh oh, future me is not going to like this at all. <laughs> yes, this is a problem for future me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's really interesting that you said you attack different stories from different ways because I was just, um, uh, for the life of me, I can't remember who this writer um, he has a book called Draft Number Three. He's a Princeton professor. I think his last name is McPhee. Um, but his book is called Draft Number Three, and his opening, and it's like uh, different kind of articles that he put together. It's all on different writing things. And the first article is talking about where ideas come from, and it's basically they come from, they should, they should, or for the most part, come from anywhere. So like sometimes it could come from you have a fully formed idea. Some it might just be the title. Some it might be the ending. He he was just pretty much just said his advice was don't fight where they come from. Just pretend like each of them are their own seed and water that seed. And so like when listening to you say like sometimes I, I work backwards, sometimes this outline that made me that made me, you know, think of that kind of you know, that that process of writing. I know some people are really rigid I'm more like I'm more like you, where it kind of I go with where the story's taking me. Although you know I'm definitely a little bit more. My, my process is really long. Like I have to write it longhand first, like in a notebook, and yeah, before I, I, I'm with you on that one. So I write it longhand, and then like the last step is actual scripting on the computer. And for me, like for whatever reason, I feel like that's so much more permanent. Because, like, I could actually send that to someone where my notebook, you know, even though I'm working hard on the, in the notebook, 
I can scribble and I'm not worried about spelling and I'm just kind of getting my ideas down. And unless you're going to break into my house and steal my notebook, no one's going to see that. And there's some com- right. there's some comfort in that. And there's some, you know, I'm, I could be as, you know, as, you know, bold or as daring as I want to be, um, which, you know, but how I get to that, you know, could come from anywhere, you know. Yeah, and I think uh, when you write into a notebook, it's more free-flowing because it's almost uh, – I think most writers grew up at some point journaling or putting their feelings on paper or just random ideas and stories. Um, so sometimes when you're writing with just a, uh, a pen and pad, like you said, it's less permanent. It's more just your ideas. So you're, you're a little bit more open. And the, one of the things I do like about that is uh, when you do put it, when you do sit at the computer, you're really creating your, either you can consider it a first draft or a second draft, but it's, it's way more polished because you already have the story down. A lot of times I look at the, the blank paper on the, on, a, on the computer and it's, you feel this urge to be perfect if not better than you would just scribbling notes. Um, and that's kind of a daunting thing to overcome. So if you have it written down with a pen and a pad, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, like I said, it almost feels like a second draft already, when in reality it's just your first one. Um, I, and I, I always like that. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I feel the easiest part is getting to that, like, you know, pa- pa- you know, page one, panel one on my Word document or my Google Docs or whatever. Um, I've done, like, all the hard and heavy lifting. Like, I I kind of think of it like, um, like a sculptor with clay and, like, as writers, we don't have, you know, any clay. So like my notepad is me making the clay from scratch. And then once I have it, then I could put it on the, um, you know, put it on the computer and then I could start molding it once I already have it. Um, instead of like trying to, you know, think of it out of thin air. No, I like that. I, I sometimes, I sometimes think that, uh, I don't actually write scripts. Sometimes I feel like I construct them. I build them at a, like, uh, I'm, I'm working on a story now that I don't I still haven't figured out why it's so difficult for me to put together but uh, it's not coming together I, I don't feel like I'm writing it because there's not a lot of free flowing writing but a lot of times what I'll do is like it feels like I'm cobbling together different scenes with like I hate to say I don't know it's almost like I'm building a house with brick by brick and I'm moving from different sections of the house and what one section of the house is almost completely built, <laughs> but you know, the kitchen ha- I haven't even touched yet or whatever. It's just, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to how I'm writing this, this one. And it's, but it's coming together better than if I had written it from A to B. If I don't, it's, I still haven't quite figured out <laughs> how I'm doing this. So I'm still struggling talking about it but uh like i'll be writing one scene or trying to piece it together and trying to force myself to write something when another scene later on so i'll hurry up and write this other idea before i forget it and by doing that that triggers something in that earlier scene so it's like i'm just hopping all over the place i because like with the script writing i i use uh final draft as my my tool and uh 
So I actually have to type in which page I'm on, you know, uh, page eight or page whatever. So because I'm hopping around, I'm just, I'm not even doing that. So I really don't even know how many pages I've written. <laughs> and that's, that's actually for me, I'm kind of, that's a struggle for me because I'm trying to keep my house of fear scripts short. Um, like I was shoot for this one, I was shooting for 10 to 12 pages, but I, I believe it's probably over 20 already because I'm hopping back and forth and I'm not actually writing the page numbers down. And I don't, I don't know. I, sometimes I feel like, a, <laughs> even as I, I, I'm mentioning this, I feel like an absolute mess. There's probably writers out there who have a pretty strict process and they're like, who is this guy? What, what the hell is he talking about? I completely understand every <laughs> word you just said. Like, uh, as, like I, one thing where I like the notebook is I will just, I could just freely jump from one thing to another where I'm not constrained and like I could write in the margins and like I could scribble stuff out. So right, yes. when you're like, yeah, I'm constructing a house brick by brick, but I'm working in different rooms. So like, I'll, like, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, make the kitchen and then I'll, I'll work on the driveway in a little <laughs> bit and then I'll trim the bushes and before I work on the plumbing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm like, I completely get that metaphor. Like that makes so much sense. Uh, you know, the, uh, for all the creatives that I've interviewed so far on this pod, I don't even know if it's an interview talked with, um, on, on this podcast, I found everyone has their own process and whatever works for you, as long as it gets you to get the work done so you could then, you know, like we were talking about, give it out to someone else to complete the kind of transaction. Um, however you get there, that's all that's important. As long as you get there, like, I think when I, you know, the more people I talk to, I think the hardest part is when you're, when you're first starting out, when you're first learning or developing, it's realizing that there's no right way and kind of those pains that you're going through is the pains of you developing your process. If that makes any sense at all. No, I, I agree. I think, uh, I, sometimes I feel like I wasted a lot of years uh, trying to write the way I thought other writers wrote. Um, oh, Stephen King does this. That's that's what I should do. Um, so I, I found that like, even though I do have a tentative process, they don't. That process doesn't always work for all stories. So my my process is is scattered it's it's a mess until i get to that point where the script is complete enough that i can go back through and actually edit it and start cleaning it up and making sure it's cohesive until then it's just pandemonium but for years i was listening to my friends or reading interviews and i thought that there was a uh, a specific way you're supposed to write all successful writers did this um and I, I'm learning more and more that that's not the case. You have to be, you have to be yourself. You know how a lot of, there's all sorts of self-help books and uh, memes online about you got to be yourself, bring yourself to the, to the table and always don't try to be someone else or whatever. Uh, and that's, that's true for your process as well. I think uh, you can go read a book on how to draw or how to write or how to do whatever. 
But at some point, you have to accept the fact that you're not going to follow that process. You have to find out what works for you and what doesn't work and try different things. And and sometimes I look back and ah, I wish I had learned that lesson, you know, 15 years ago. But at least I've learned it now as opposed to 10 years from now. Man, I everything you were saying resonated so much with me because I, I exactly felt that same way. Like when I wanted to, even before, like when I was thinking about wanting to um to write and like to do stuff i was like well i don't know enough or you know i'm I'm not good enough yet or or i need to you know what i'm doing isn't working and i would beat myself up like this isn't you know what writers do and all this stuff and you know what i what i've realized as i've gotten older and now is that it doesn't really matter right and it's and it's one of those things where the I, I think it's really important that you know these conversations are had and, and get out to the general public because there's probably someone you know out there thinking that way and like hopefully yep, hopefully this exactly. gets to them and they realize that number one it's okay that they don't know know it all and number two whatever your process however you want to do it as long as you get to the end result um, that's all that matters now it's not going to be easy <laughs> and um, <laughs> right uh, but. You could do it, man. You could get it done, and however you however you want to get it done is is really up to you. Which I think is which I think is awesome. Now I have a question. Do you do you write every day? Do you have a, a specific schedule, or do you have a goal every day? So I was really. The answer is yes and no, and when I am so, I used to beat myself up over this, and then um, you know Rob uh, Maltari, right? Oh yeah. So I I was beating myself up over this because I don't write every day, and mainly, um, I I don't write um, every day anymore for a couple reasons. I just had a kid was one, so that was really hard in the beginning. Um, but then I I started going like I I have my like notebook and my journal and my phone and I I write ideas down, so I don't beat myself up over not writing, um, because I'm still kind of keeping the creative juices going or flowing. Yeah, you're still moving forward. Right. Um, But Rob, Rob said something really interesting that resonated with me because I was kind of struggling with that because I I felt like, and this was like literally recent, like in the last couple months. um, I was like, I I just, I need to crank more scripts out. Um, And he's like, well, you're, you're in the, you're in the marketing cycle of your creative journey. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I think of everything in cycles. Like I have my creative cycle, I'm writing my scripts, and then my marketing cycle where I'm marketing the Kickstarter, and then my production cycle. And I just, as long as I'm staying on this cycle where I'm constantly creating things, because it's all creative, then I know I'm, I'm doing the right thing. So I, to answer your question, I'm not writing every single solitary day, um, like p- page one, panel one, but I am writing some sort of something creative down. Um, right. That's, I, I like what, I like what Rob said. That's, uh, I had never thought about it that way either. Um, I, I, I think I agree with him. I, I might have to process that a little bit more and see what, what my brain does. And when I'm in the marketing, uh, phase, but, uh, but one of the, the reason I ask is, uh, I think you and I are pretty similar. Uh, some of the things that you've said, uh, Hit, hits, hits home for me too but uh, I've been wondering lately because I've always since I was a kid even at least in high school 
thought that a writer has to write every day. And I always assumed that meant, you know, 10 pages a day of actual story, not your marketing or writing your website or email. None of that counts. Um, but, but lately I've been, I've been wondering like, uh, cause there's, there's been days where I sit at the computer and I say I'm writing in reality. I've, you know, I write five words and they're terrible. <laughs> they're terrible words or whatever. But I wonder if like, if I could find a, figure out when those days are and maybe what happened, what if, what if I learned that once a week I need to not write and I need to go garden or I need to be, I need to take two hikes a week or something to that effect. And by taking those days off, that makes me a better writer on the days I am on writing. Um, I've, I've started, I've started to pay attention to what, what days work as far as my writing and when, when it doesn't. Um, and I'm actually starting to feel that for me, it's it's cyclical, like Rob was saying, but maybe in shorter, quicker bursts than uh, the marketing cycle and the creative cycle. Um, it's more like on a weekly basis that I might have five good days of writing in me, but only if I have two days where I focus on something else completely. Because I mean, as a writer, would would you say that you're always writing, even though you're not, you don't have a pen in your hand, like? If you go take a shower or you're driving to work, your brain's kind of kicking around ideas, right? Oh man, there's there's so much so much in that. I'm I'm, I'm gonna try to tackle. Um, <laughs> no, no, I love it. This is that's kind of all over the place. No, no, I love it. Um, so first off, I completely agree with you that writers sit down and write, crank out ten amazing pages a day. That's exactly what I thought and still think. Like I have to fight myself on that thought. Like. Um, like the 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 lore of of Stephen King, right? Like I still remember there was a there's a uh, um, there's an interview with him and in, in, uh, what his name's eluding me at the the guy who wrote Game of Thrones, George R R Martin. Oh yeah, Martin. Yeah, and they're they're having Martin just literally just flat out asked him like, how do you write so much? And he's like, I write every day. And like when you hear that, you're like, oh, that's what writers do, right? Like, oh, I write every day. Um. What, so I, I have those same feelings, but I have to put those aside sometimes because it doesn't really work for me and it doesn't work for me because 90% of my writing is done in my head, if that makes any sense at all. Oh, it totally does. And so, um, and I realized that was okay when I, it was, I think Jason Aaron, um, it was an interview he had, I believe it was Jason Aaron, um, and he was talking about how he was just staring out his window and his like and his wife comes up to him and his his wife says what what are you doing and he he just turns to her and says i'm writing and that resonated so much with me um that i realized that i don't have to sit in front of my computer or, or sit with my my pad down or like my pen and pad that what writers are and this is the way i kind of quantify it Writers are professional make-believers, and what you're doing when you're writing is you're trying to capture your imagination on the physical plane by locking it in with words on a page. And so for me, I need to be able to construct, the have the mind space in my head constructed first 
before and, and be able to hit play in the movie in my mind before I could write anything down on a on a pen or like I have to be able to do that so I'm constantly writing every every day because I'm constantly imagining and and make-believing you know most of my writing I get done is I'm laying in bed right before I go to sleep and I, I think about like I try to get a scene done and once I have that scene done in my head then I grab my phone really fast and I write it down and then I use that and I go, take that to the notepad and then I work with it in the notepad and then I, so it's like a really long process for me, but I, I think I'm writing every day regardless. That was, that was a lot. Yep, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with that. That's, uh, Hello? it's, I, oh, sorry. <laughs> can you hear? Yeah. Me? Uh, yeah. So it's funny cause sometimes I'll be at the dinner table and, I'll be in the middle of a conversation with my wife or son, and then I'll <laughs> apparently I zone out and I don't even realize I am. And then sometimes my son will just start laughing, and it'll be like, oh, "There he is, writing again or whatever." And it's and it's like, oh, "I'm sorry, I just had this something you said triggered an idea for this scene." Or you, you don't really always you can't always control that. Um, but I, I will. I even with all that, I still do think that you have to. Because it's a slippery slope, right? If you say, "Well, I don't have to write every day," the next day you 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 might not have written all week. Um, you have you have to find a way to put in the time. I'm just not sure I'm a hundred percent rigid like a Stephen King. I I completely agree with you on that. I um my I had a goal for a while was I, I was gonna write two pages a day every day, um, and then that. I found that I wasn't really being that productive because I didn't have the the mind like the the mental space created yet for it. Yep, right. Um, mm-hmm. And so my my goal is I usually put like a like I want to get you know this like issue one done in X amount of days, and I usually put like a like a time frame on it, and I usually like I want the first draft done. And one thing that I've I really like doing is I'll I'll write a script, put it away for a while, work on another script, um, usually to a different project or something something else I'm working on, and then come back to the first script with fresh eyes and then re-edit it, um, and that that helps me a lot too. Um, so I probably like actual writing like page one, panel one. I probably do four to six times a week depending on what's going on. That makes sense. And I like writing like when you said like go for a bike ride or, you know, or or, or hike or, or do doing something else. Like I I completely understand it cuz you're there'd be so like I remember once I was stuck on a scene for so long, like I was just beating myself up over it and finally I was like, "You know what? I'm just going to move on." So I, I moved on to something else and I was doing the dishes and I remember just washing the dishes. I was like, Oh, there's, there's the answer to it. I figured it out as soon as I left it alone. I love how that happens. As soon as I left it alone. And I think, I think a lot of that, like the more I talk to people, the more I realize, like, I think a lot of it is our, our brains are, are constantly like on a loop. And the reason why we can't get through a scene is that we're playing that same loop over and over again in our head. And it's not, we know it's not working. And so once we let our brain kind of get out of that loop and let our subconscious figure it out, we'll get to it, but we got to get away from it long enough. So I think, you know, going for a hike or any of that stuff, I think is really helpful. 
Yeah, and it's it's your yeah when you're trying to force it, that's never for me anyway. That's not the answer. I know a lot of writers who actually try to force it, and by putting any word on the page helps you know get them through that block. But uh, that's that's not me. That's that's for sure. You know, one of the things that you were talking about, you had mentioned that you had at one point a goal of a few pages, two pages a day, I think you said. Um, that's that, For me, that's a lot of pressure. At first, that's a fun game. But, like, at some point, five days in, six days in, whatever it is, I'll be like, oh, my God, this I can't let today be the first day I don't get two pages. And then once I start having that pressure, it's, it's over. <laughs> I, I already have enough difficulty getting the words down. The last thing I need to do is have <laughs> put pressure – because I think a writer should write two pages a day um, or whatever that, whatever I think in that moment. Um, I, I don't know if that, how, how did that work for you? Was that pretty successful when you said that you wrote, try to write two days, two, uh, uh, yes and, two pages a yes day? Yes and no. I got a lot, I, I got a lot written, but it was nothing that was useful. Like, uh, interesting. Like it was, it was. I think if I would have just, it did a couple things. Number one, it it taught me how to put my butt in the chair and write. So that was really helpful. Like, have you ever read uh, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? You know, I haven't. I've, I've heard several times I need to check that, that out. That needs to be number one on the list. Like, bought Amazon Prime one click as soon as we get off this thing. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I read it once a year. Um, oh wow, that good. okay. So it's yeah. All right. It it so usually like I it really energizes me um, because basically what it does is it puts a name to what we're talking about and and what we're talking about Stephen Pressfield um, defines as resistance and and what resistance is is your you know your inner self or that inner voice stopping you from trying to stopping trying to stop you from achieving you know or getting your art done um and he he does it way more eloquently than i just did but anyways he puts a name to it um but he talks he talks a lot about just sitting down every day and and doing the work regardless of how you feel and i writing two pages every day definitely taught me that um but what i I really liked it. I I, I thought it was a, a really good exercise, but I didn't. It wasn't the quality that I needed it to be. Where if I would have kind of trusted my my how I normally work and not being so rigid on myself, it would have came out probably better, and I would have spent less time on it. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. It does. It's uh. It's so it's yeah it's kind of elusive uh, because on one hand two pages is better than no pages and you can always go back and clean it up so you're putting undue re- unnecessary restraint on yourself if you're trying to define the quality of that those two pages I don't know so I get it's funny I could talk myself in and out of anything <laughs> when it comes to, to these things is. Uh, I mean, just five minutes ago, I was telling you that I don't need to write every day because that's not my process. But 
as we're talking, I'm like, you know, it should be. <laughs> or or I, I, I was able to think of uh, just two days ago, I sat down when I didn't want to, and I was able to work through a scene I, I didn't want to work through. So I guess, the, I guess the answer is I don't know what the answer is. Well, you know, I, I think of writing, you know, I, I think of the actual, like, the actual, you know, sitting down and writing and getting those two pages in. A, a writing very much is like like running or exercising. Uh, mostly running, I've found, because I've always hated running in, in general. Like, it's not something, um, like, I could just get up and do. Like, that first, you know, quarter of a mile is really, really difficult for me. But once I start going, then it gets easier. And that's, like, with all exercises. Like, man, I don't really want to, you know, go do this. But once you start doing it about a quarter of the way through it gets easier and then you get into it and i feel like writing is the same way i also like i don't know if you find i don't know if this happens to you but do you have like almost only so much gas in the tank sometimes when you write and sometimes like and what i mean by that is like sometimes like i could sit down and if it's really coming to me i could sit for two or three hours whereas other times I'm I'm spent in 40 minutes. Oh yeah, it's uh, and honestly, I I don't even think I write for that long. Um, uh, it's it, the weird thing about that is I I can't always tell how energized I'm going to be. So I may start writing and think, oh yeah, I don't have it in me. If I can just get five minutes in, I'll be happy. And the next thing I know, it's an hour later. But and other times you're like, oh, I'm gonna, I got this story, this scene idea. I'm gonna sit down and write all morning, and then you sit down and you're tapped out five minutes in. So, uh, but yeah, I totally understand that. And if I'm, if I'm totally honest, it's almost always some diversion that gets in the way. So this feeling that I should check my email or it's time to check Facebook or some garbage like that. Um, and once I let that happen, that's usually when I, I start slipping away from the writing. I know. I, uh, do you have like a, a certain – do you do you do certain things before you write or, or help you what – what do I mean? Do you do it like have like rituals or certain things that or habits that you need to make sure you, you have going on? So like for me, for instance, I really – when I'm actually sitting down and, and writing – um, I usually have classical music on and then either, a, you know, some sort of caffeine with me, whether it's like a cup of coffee or, you know, um, <laughs> something like that. Like, and it's not something that I ever intentionally wanted to do, but I've just found it, when I have classical music on for whatever reason, like it, that's great. It, yeah. it numbs out the rest of the world. So I'm not distracted. Nice. So I, I have to have it quiet. Um, I actually, I, I don't sleep very well, so I'm usually up by four, and I notice that my best writing days are the ones that I make a, a cup of tea, and I get downstairs and I write before I do anything else. Um, now, sometimes I might like uh, actually try to enjoy that, that tea in the, in the kitchen and just kind of let my brain wander, um, so it's not literally do nothing, but uh, I don't want to consume anything else. That means no email, no Facebook, no surfing Amazon or anything like that. It's purely 100% me and my stories. If I can do that before I do anything else, it's usually a success. Um, 
And and I, I've also noticed too that, uh, and I haven't quite got to the point where I can nail this down perfectly, but if I can end the last writing session with some something I need to decide or some general excitement, like, oh yeah, I want to stop right now because this next scene is the action scene or the big reveal of the monster or whatever. If I can leave that for the next morning, actually, now that I say that out loud, I need to make that, <laughs> I need to make that in stone part of my process. But if I can leave, leave off right before a, a page turn or a scene that's, I'm really excited about the next morning is almost guaranteed to be a success. That that's so interesting that you you do your best um, stuff in the morning. When I was writing two pages a, a day at the beginning, I tried to do it in the morning, and it was just awful for me. Like I, for whatever reason, <laughs> what 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 what's interesting is I've heard a lot of people say f- for creatives, whether you're a writer or artist, that you usually work your best when other people are sleeping, and like for me, my best writing is late at night when I'm like actually. Ex- interesting when i'm like actually really tired um oh so you're kind of tapping into your your subconscious almost because you're you're at the end of your day and yeah you're some of your other energy levels are have dropped you, and it's usually not like it's usually when i've been i i should have gone to bed like an hour like i don't have an exact exact time otherwise i do it all the time but like when i should have gone to bed like an hour or two like when i'm like tossing and turning and i'll just get up and go downstairs and write um, and those are usually my best, th- what I've found, um, the most writing plus probably the stuff I'm generally the happiest with, like as, as far as like what, what, you know, is churned out, um, or, um, in the middle of the day for whatever reason. Interesting. Interesting. So, so I, you, you had mentioned like running and working out, uh, I've realized that there's certain times of the day that I, like, I couldn't strength train. I couldn't go to the gym and do bench press or whatever in the afternoon. No way. Um, so I, it's funny because I started to notice that a couple of years ago when I'm the most energized for, for uh, like, a workout or a jog or whatever. Um, and then I, I started taking that and putting it towards writing and – I can almost see my energy level through the day ebb and flow, and my creativity is at its peak in the morning. Um, but I'm also I'm better like at I don't want to say businessy things in the afternoon, but more maybe my the logical side of my brain or my this the part of your brain that kind of organizes or whatever. I still have energy in the afternoon for that. Um, but at night, are you? I mean, I I hear you say that you write at night, and it's like, that is so. Fu- I can't even. <laughs> I sometimes I can't even think at night. I mean, I'm so wiped out from the day that, if it's anything more difficult than sitting on the couch, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> you know what's what's really interesting is that it's almost not like thinking, like that's actually the be- like when I'm not forcing it, like the editor's off. I think that's why. If I'm if I'm gonna like try to make it tangible now that I'm actually thinking about it because I've never thought about it that way when you're like tapping it in your subconscious, like, and for you it's probably the same like in the morning like you you start like you're just starting to rev up, like yeah that's so true because like uh, yeah I'm I'm often very tired in the morning and 
I've uh, I've said before that uh, my critic is my critics kind of still asleep, whereas that's kind of what you're saying. It just at the other other end of the day. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I've never put that together. I was just like <laughs> for whatever reason. I was like, yeah, the way like the the way I've always thought of it before talking about it now would it would be like. Yeah, I got nothing else to think about except this story, so that's what I'm going to do. All right, right. It, it, it's 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 interesting because some of these things are falling into place for me as we're talking too. Is that uh, in the morning if I write before I do any web surfing, right? Um, I, I I notice that my critic. How can I say this? My inner critic is far worse. My self doubt or the imposter syndrome, whatever skyrockets after i go to facebook for example because mm-hmm. that's where i see other creators oh look at this i i wrote 50 pages yesterday or i have this new book out or i have five thousand people backing me on kickstarter there's all the there's all these things there's all these other people who are quote unquote doing it better um which amps up that critic whereas if i'm kind of still in that creative zone i'm still a little tired are not fully engaged in my day yet. I haven't consumed anything. It makes sense that you would be much more free to write the story that you you're trying to tell. Yeah, it's than yeah. than say at ten o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the afternoon after you've been inundated with all sorts of input. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I I um I think there's something to be said with with sil- silencing that inner critic when you're trying to write, you know, um, and just writing to, to write to, you know, for the, uh, I guess, pure joy of it or the, you know, just to get it, not to get it done. Cause that makes it sound like it's a chore, but, right. um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting that you have a, a, a similar thought, thought process, um, th- you know, through all this. Yeah. That, that critic's kind of a jerk, right? <laughs> I mean, that critic is is helpful during the editing phase if you you know to some degree but when you're free flowing and trying to get ideas on paper you don't need to be thinking about any of that you just write what write what's coming to you and and come back to clean it up later i think so yeah i for me one of the one of the one of the things that it took me a long time to get over when i was i would always like self edit like in the middle of my writing because like I would write and I'd get like a paragraph down or whatever it would be and then I'd go back and reread it and I'd like start editing so I'd never like really moved forward and so I had to like teach myself to not edit while I'm writing like that's a whole separate phase in a different brain like a, yep. a different way to look at it like you're you're solely here to just create and not pass any judgment and you could past judgment at a later phase so so that's interesting because as you say that I'm, I'm wondering you you write on a notebook first so maybe some of this is already worked out by the time you get to the script but uh, sometimes I feel like when you're writing for comics this you almost have to have a little bit of an edit edit going on at the same time because you have to deal with page turns, and you have to be, deal with the number of panels on a page, and 
So if I were writing a scene longhand or, you know, prose or just free flowing in a notebook, that scene can be as long as you want it to be. You can be as detailed as you want to be, but sometimes you, you, I, you might have a scene that's in your head. You're kind of like, well, this scene might be, I, I have three more things I need to flesh out in this scene, but I only have three panels left. Is that worth going onto the next page, or is that worth uh, using two more pages? There's all sorts of questions. I guess I guess what I'm trying to get at is my question for you is: in your first script draft, are you just letting everything come out of you, and or are you already worrying about that page turn and how many panels are on a page? Uh, that's I didn't really formulate that. No, question I know. Right. No, I know exactly what you're you're talking about. Um, I so I usually so how I normally work is I usually work. I, I write the story out longhand, and it's it's not sometimes it's by page, but mostly it's just like the story part component, like the spine, if you will, or the DNA. Like this happens, this yep. happens, all that stuff. It's kind of like a a a much longer drawn out outline um yeah like a detailed outline yeah or, um yeah but it's like you know i'm i'm definitely getting through you know i'm writing dialogue and, and different things like that along with it um which uh, this is like a side a, a sidebar that i i have to ask you because i i have to write my dialogue as i go and i know a lot of writers in the comics medium they like do the images and then come back and then write their dialogue do you do you do that or is it a mixture of both? Uh, I write it as I go. And I, I'll be honest with you. I think my my dialogue is probably – that's probably my biggest weakness um, because as I'm writing, I always write what the person has to say to keep the story going. Um, and I don't always write what they would say or how they would say it, so it's often just almost like exposition. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that – creeps into the final product because a, a a it's like i said it's my uh one of my weak points but uh it's you can't always work your way out of that because you already have the art mm-hmm. uh and the description laid out so it's hard to go from having a character say what needs to be said to well technically who would say this and it would be drawn out and it would be two panels or 40 words or whatever and you don't have that space anymore so yeah i for whatever like the way i i write or or think like i can't go to the next scene unless i know like what like if someone says something and i need a reaction it's hard for me to draw that picture without them like it's hard for me to like get that down on the panels without me knowing what they're saying like i need to have that reaction but I've I've talked to enough writers now that a lot a lot of other writers kind of just deal with pictures the the what's going on first and then come back and dialogue it which I think is interesting, um, uh, but to answer that was like a a weird aside but um, to answer your question so I, I go um, long form kind of outline first and then on my in my notepad I, I number one through however many pages that issue is going to be so like one through 22 one through 26 one through 20 oh, right yep and then mm-hmm. on each of those each of those lines I just write one a one sentence well before first before I do that I 
I on the margin so I wrote write that in the margins and then to the left of that I make little notes to myself so like I connect so I make a little dash by one so that's a page by itself and then I connect two and three and then four and five and then six and seven and I do all that and then as I'm then I go to the to the right of those numbers and I write what what's going on each page like a description and then if there's and then I connect all of those pages I bracket those pages off into scenes and so like I'll do like page one two and three is like the opening and I'll bracket that and say opening and then page four five whatever and so then that's like my second outline and then from that then I go and I, I haven't broken that it down into panels per se yet I might have some in my head but then when I go to start scripting it I have the story in my head and I know what needs to be in there and then I start scripting up the the panels when I'm actually on the computer um, that's when the panel work starts and then sometimes I find that it's I need to sh you know move things around or shuffle things or maybe this is actually two pages when I thought it was one or maybe it's only one page when I thought it was two um, right and yep. so that's that's when that math happens um, but that that's I guess a little bit of I guess I to answer your question it is a little bit of an editor mind but at, at that point that's kind of what I'm going for since I have like all the creative stuff done anyway already right um yeah that's interesting because uh I, I would say about half of what you said is what I often do where you kind of say this is what has to happen on this page this page uh but I think I link scenes together or look at the big picture I I put that up later in the process for sure I uh I uh try how can I say this I I I'll go after I have a good solid draft or two or three years that's starting to form itself. That's when I kind of step back and go, let's look at the pacing. And I might go back and say, oh, this scene is three pages now and I loved it before, but, but now it's too long. I need to find a way to whittle that down into one page, which isn't always easy, believe mm -mm. me. But, um, I find that uh, for me, for me, that's, that's a little limiting. I think uh, uh, limiting isn't the right word. Um, constrictive, I think maybe my if I let myself worry about some of that up front, my inner critic starts jumping all over me. I think that's closer to the truth than than anything else. That uh, I I I let the 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 scenes breathe as much as possible in those first early drafts and then I'd see the whole picture and see where I need to, to trim or expand for the pacing. No, I, I totally get that. When I, when I write my pages, when I'm on, when I'm scripting on the computer, I'll do like page one and then next to it, I'll have like, you know, how many panels that's going to be. And I usually put an X there until I get the page done. Um, and then I write the page and then I go back and fill in, you know, how many panels that page was. Um, it's funny that you say I'm sorry I don't mean to laugh it's just sometimes I realize how hard writing a comic script is <laughs> just because it don't, it's, fun, it's funny because sometimes I like I like it because it, it triggers another part of my brain but when you have to deal with the number of panels and you're you have a scene and you're trying to 
get the scene in three pages and you have X number of panels. That's actually pretty constricting. Oh man, right? It's so I I have some friends who I who are writers and they they write uh, novels or short stories and all that and they don't understand how it's like oh my goodness if I can't get this into six panels I would rather have it be five pages or whatever it's just there's so many decisions and so many changes you have to to make based just because of the the format of the the final product and you don't want your artist <laughs> drawing 15 panels on this page to cram it all in yeah the, it's it's almost there's like a I love that you said it's a different part of your brain it's almost like math like it's like it's a different part of creativity um for sure it's like that the there's only x amount of real estate you have um how do you normally set up your panels like do you have like all right this is heavy dialogue so i'm gonna you know only have x amount of panels like do you have like a go-to panel count like how do you how do you how does your your page to panel real estate math go for you uh you know with jethro most of my our pages are are five five panels um and i think that's in part too because our audience is younger I don't like to have too many uh, pages with more than five, just because it's a little bit easier to to grasp what's happening. Um, but I, I wouldn't. I just. I actually just wrote a pan a page that's got fourteen panels. Uh, it's the first time I've ever done it. It was probably the page I'm most uh, happy about as a writer having been able to pull that off i haven't <laughs> i haven't pulled it off yet because jethro hasn't seen it but uh i'm i'm proud of that because i've i felt like it, i've put a lot of effort into it and i think it will work um but yeah during the, the during the writing process i i'll have a an idea of what i want the next page to do the page the the reveal so on a page turn and I'll be like, crap! I have nine panels on the page before. That's not gonna, that's not going to work. Um, so on the one hand, it's like painful and it's difficult to figure out, but at the same time, that's a lot of fun. That's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a lot of uh, pat on your back, pat on the back, or feel good moments when you can find a way that that your first draft has nine panels on this page and you whittle it down to five and it's actually better than the nine that you had before if that makes makes yeah yeah Uh, for me it's like it's like making a puzzle or like figuring out a puzzle yeah exactly i know exactly you know i one of the hardest things i've done in a while was uh write that short story for nightmare theater um like having to do eight like you know i only had eight pages and in those eight pages, I only have X amount of panels. Like, that's hard. <laughs> like, I have to tell a complete yeah. story in eight pages. Are you kidding me? Like, I don't even know. I don't even like that. There's some. There's some uh, definite like high level craft stuff that you got to figure out if you're doing short story. Like, you know. Oh short yeah. Stories. And some stories actually. That 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 added constraint actually helps. I I find other times, like. Uh, I find that the character speaks to you or the, the theme or whatever it is that there's just no way you can tell that story in eight pages. And you have, for me, I've always felt that like, uh, 
the story is as long as it needs to be. So I've always like even with those first couple of comics I wrote years ago, um, I never felt like I had to make it twenty pages. Like some of the writers I was coming up with was like, well, a comic's twenty pages. I'm like, well, but my story isn't twenty pages long. It's thirty, and that's just the way it's gonna be. Uh, now, granted, you know, some other writers or editors might say, well, you need to whittle it down and hone your skills and get it to be 20 pages or whatever. But uh, I, I've always felt that if your character needs to breathe a little bit, let 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 that happen. If, you know, your action scene is really exciting and you you need to make it a few extra pages, then go for it. That's that's comics. You know, it's if movies, I mean, heck, TV shows are if you watch netflix you know 20 years ago tv shows were always what 22 minutes so you could have commercials uh the 30 minute shows were anyway uh if you watch netflix now it's like some episodes are 36 minutes some are 54 some are an hour and five um i think that there's fewer constraints on that i and i i think that's the way it should be right like you get a better i think you get a better product because it's more of what it's originally intended to be. Um, and I completely agree with you. Like some of my, um, so like man of sin, the first two, it was a four issue miniseries. The first two, um, the first two issues were 26 pages each. And not that I wanted to do 26 comics. That's just how it came out. And then, yeah. uh, issue three was only 18 because that's all I needed to say for that. And then issue four was 24. And so, like, that's just what I needed at the time. And I wasn't going to fight it. It's just, it is what it is. And Yep, I'm all for that. And I, I think, you know, when you start saying, oh, I need to have, you know, I need to have, you know, 20 pages only and I need to cut things. I mean, sometimes that's good, right, to, to trim the fat. But like you said, if, if, you, need a, if you need something to, to breathe or it's going to help the story, then you should definitely do it. Yep, I agree. And I think... Uh... You know, our, the whole comic, how it's done and distributed is all changing. You know, I think that 20 or 22 page mandate kind of came from, you know, Marvel and DC on the monthlies. And I think uh, there's just so many different ways to get your comics into readers' hands nowadays. And oh, heck, web, web, web comics and all those things. I mean, it's just even how you, how you, read a comic now where you can go panel by panel with like comiXology. I forget what that's called. Oh yeah. They're guided view. Then they're yeah. Guided view. So to some degree, if you do a guided view, there are, there aren't even pages. So it doesn't matter if the comics 22 pages or 30. It's, it's just, it's 800 panels. Yeah. And like uh, <laughs> so, webtoons, it scrolls down. Like everything's downward scrolling. Like that, yeah, that's exactly, a exactly. completely different, um, you know, way to, to, you know, tell visual storytelling, if you will. Um, since we're on the topic and, you know, um, talk a little bit about the quick starter you got going on for uh, House of Fear. Uh, so, yeah, it's, let's see, today's Friday, so it actually ends Monday morning. It's a short 10-day uh, campaign. I What I actually had done is after our last campaign, we've not long, we decided to... We did this story, and I decided to kind of jump the gun and get get the book printed. <laughs> and then uh, we kind of just delayed and delayed the Kickstarter launch. 
and then with the way the world is now and you know quarantine and all that stuff we delayed it even further um so we chose to do a kickstarter just because it's already sitting here it's in boxes ready to be shipped and our goal was kind of just to reintroduce the title house of fear and get a jump start on 2021 we've got let's see i think we have three more stories we have two and a half stories in the can and a third that we're that we're working on so we're hoping that 2021 can be more about uh consistency and just kind of every quarter having a new house of fear something or other and we're using this quick starter campaign just to kind of jump start that so. yeah that's awesome man I, I house of fear is a you know what you guys are doing is absolutely awesome i'm a big fan and you know i back the campaign so i can't wait to you know i can't wait yeah thanks I oh you're, you're very welcome and you know you know i'm super enthusiastic about it and i think it's great and i i just i want more people to get eyes on it and see it and get into more hands it's awesome um i guess before we get out of here we've already been talking for you know two hours here yeah i just noticed that it's funny because it's like i said earlier i i don't get to talk about comics like i used to so i could i could probably talk all night because (laughs) because i don't get that i i feel the yeah this is yeah i feel the exact same way especially you know I feel like writers, you're it's so such a lonely job. Sometimes you feel like you're on an island by yourself, and when yep. you start opening up and actually talking about some of this like stuff that you deal with and, and talking to someone else, you realize you're not on that island. And so what what I found, you know, just by doing you know doing this um, podcast is that a lot of times writers want to talk about this stuff because they don't have anyone else to talk about. Like I, if I, if I try to talk to my wife about how to break up a page on a, like panels on a page, she would just look at me and tell me to shut up. <laughs> well, it's kind of, it's kind of like therapy. Yeah. I mean, well, like, like even the, the self doubt and some of the things we talked about earlier, it's like, uh, when you're, when you're home alone doing your thing, it's so easy to think that, Oh, this other this other writer I, I follow or a friend of mine they, he, the words come so freely and he doesn't have any problems and it, when you talk about it with others you realize no everybody's in the same boat it's a it's easy some days other days it's a struggle and some days you hate what you wrote some other days you want to go go share it with everybody immediately so it's it's yeah it makes it like you're not an island you're 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 unique but you're totally like everybody That's, else that is that is such a great way uh such a great way to, to end the podcast so before we get out of here um james where can people find you on social media uh so i'm on instagram and uh facebook i think they're both uh james powell writer um and then uh i have a james com is my website you can grab me there too. And make sure since you're on the internet already make sure you go to kickstarter and back the house of fear uh campaign before it's over on monday yep just a few more days left so actually by the time they're hearing this it might be the final day but uh yeah we're we're getting well we're already planning another campaign in uh probably february so Ooh. with uh the trees have eyes which which you oh, gotta done. everyone gotta get that one man that was that was uh I liked them all, but that might have been that. That was my favorite. I, I mean, they're so good. They're all good. So highly recommend it. James, thank you so much for uh, talking to me tonight, man. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. It was yeah. fun.